0: This is such an open platform, and it's new, and it's welcoming to ideas that work.
1: Dale Dickens is a Bitcoin evangelist with an interesting backstory. She was working for a self-development business in Melbourne, Australia, but wasn't happy. Her workplace was supposed to be all about letting people achieve their potential, but she found the management restrictive and discouraging. Dale wanted out and eventually discovered an environment that was more to her liking or so she thought.
0: I was seeking different management styles and I fell into the open source world. I was really um, impressed with that. That's the the world of no management isn't it? Yes, that's right, where people just do their own projects um, and um, the ethos is to share information and follow the, tra- the trace, the source, and that really interested me. However, working with the people was very, very difficult because they're very introverted and I got quite frustrated with that. So what kind of work were you trying to do in that sphere? Well, I managed Software Freedom Day in Melbourne, for example, um, and you know, being with the Linux community, people wanting all of their friends to be involved. but They were very shy in inviting them to the event, that kind of thing. Right. Yeah. So, um, and inside that realm, I heard about Bitcoin being open source, obviously. And that, so I'd worked with software. I'd also been on a raw vegan diet, so I was getting to the source of food. And when I heard about money, that to kind of fit with what I was doing, money would work as well. So Bitcoin is the sort of veganism of uh, money, I mean? That's an interesting point of view. Yeah, you could see it like that. Possibly, yes. Well, it's definitely an alternative. It's raw and it's pure. (laughs) I like that. I like that way of thinking. Although it's quite radical as well, which is more the free software movement um, which people kind of press against. So I'm not quite sure if it's that radical. Um, But yeah, it's a good way to look at it. So
1: you were interested in this new movement or new yes. the new possibility.
0: So when I heard about Bitcoin, I was truly just really interested in the possibility of a money that was limited in supply, that was available to everybody and it didn't have a central source. That was really fascinating for me. So when I purchased my first Bitcoin, I had no idea that it would actually increase in value so quickly. How long ago was that? Um, 2012. Oh, nice. So I first used it in Peru when I, um, I did a retreat there. And I sat in a, a tiny village, a, a tiny internet cafe in Iquitos in Peru. And I transferred Bitcoin over to somebody and they gave me Peruvian soles. And at that point in time, the Australian dollar was quite strong, yet no bank would take it. I needed two forms of ID or a bank account. And that for me was quite strange. Like I was getting to the source. It's like, what has happened to money? Why has this become so difficult? Why do I need to account to somebody to change my money over? And when I had that experience in the internet cafe, I realized how easy money should be and that Bitcoin was definitely going to work. There was no question for me.
1: Now, have you kept some of your original Bitcoin from uh, 2012? Well, That's a personal question, but yes, I have. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad to hear it. Um, so you had a sort of uh, epiphany in Peru about why Bitcoin was going to revolutionize the world.
0: Yes. And how did you act on that when you got home? Well. Um, I was walking down the street and there was a sign on the pole saying people to facilitate workshops on any subject whatsoever. It could be from roller coasters to um, making marshmallows. Um, So I thought, okay, that's a a calling. So I did my first workshop. On marshmallows? On how to use Bitcoin. Right. Uh, right. (laughs) I felt like I was an expert at that stage. Um, and of course, there were a lot of technical minded people that came to the workshop, which was very interesting, very challenging. I mean, they were asking me questions. I had no idea what the answer was. However, they hadn't used it. So part of my workshops, which I've continued to do, is that i they're paid. So say this one was $15 at the time, and I gave $5 back. So I made sure that everybody had a wallet and knew how to use it. That's my focus. I really want the utility. I'm focused on the utility. So these these um, technical people, very you know, in their kind of suits and shirts and throwing these questions at me, turned into marshmallows when they actually used it. They were ac- they were quite surprised. There was like a home aha moments of it works. They never used it. Right. So I felt like I had an edge with that. And there were some people that had, had not, no idea what it was, um, and they left knowing how to use it. How long was the workshop?
1: Um, an hour and a half. An hour and a half later, you'd converted them because they'd had the
0: experience. Well, there were people that knew a lot more than me about it. They were very technically minded, though, but they'd never used it.
1: In the workshops that you've given since then, is it more people who know nothing being introduced to it or...?
0: Um, People that are curious, mostly. So what I do is I call people beforehand and get a sense of the type of software that they use, um, what their interest is, what they know, and what they want to learn. And the same thing. So the workshop costs now $150 and they get $50 back in Bitcoin. Um, So during the phone call, we make the transfer. They transfer to me $150 through their bank account and I transfer back $50 in Bitcoin. So they have, I go through the setting up the wallet process. Over the phone? Over the phone, yeah. correct, yes. Yeah. So they, when they arrive, they already have $50 worth of Bitcoin on their phones. And then during the workshop, we transfer funds over. So I, I want people to be confident in using the actual um, currency. And we have paper wallets as well, so we transfer funds in and out. But they've
1: just transferred money sort of between themselves, correct? Right? Correct, yes. Yeah. That's right. And then but don't they then say, well, that's all very well, but where, where can I actually buy
0: stuff with it? Well, there's a list of shops that they can do that. So there are a few shops in Melbourne um, that accept it. And there's also online purchases. And I direct them also to Cheap Air. Um, we have a service in Australia called Living Room of Satoshi. So people can pay their bills also with Bitcoin. There's numerous currencies that they accept as well. So anything with an e-pay code, um, any bill, electricity, gas, um, tax, you can also see the payments that go through this service. So I let people know how to use it. I also let them know about yours and MIMO and the money button, for example.
1: But if you come across somebody who has only sort of heard the word Bitcoin or read it in a paper or something, and they just, their attitude is... I've got no idea about this thing. It sounds just far too complicated. What's your approach to beginning to explain the system or what it all is to people? How do you, What's your sort of opening paragraph of that?
0: Well, it starts with questions. What do you want to know? What do you do? Why is it of interest to you? What's well, your well, area of expertise? Because all right, so supposing I
1: just say, well, look, I'm just interested in this stuff, but it makes no sense to me. I've got no idea. I'm not very good with computers. What, what the, what's it all about? You know, what would you say? Do you like money? Yes, <laughs> I do like
0: money. That's yeah. great. So why, why are you interested in Bitcoin? Do you, I just what want to learn heard? about what happens in the world, you know. What happens in the world? Okay, so I would just narrow it down to what specifically do you want? and how um, it would work for you. And it's not for everybody. There are many people that still want to sit back and learn more, and I would direct them to blogs and to find out more information about it. The people that actually want to use it, that's where I come in. So it may you know, maybe that I would see you in six months or so, maybe three months, maybe a week, depending on how fast you absorb the information. Well, and
1: then they come back for sort of lesson two.
0: Yes, that's Right. right. So each to their own.
1: So, is there a proportion of people who r- receive your workshops and understand a bit more about it, but still say, "Oh, well, it's very interesting, but it's not for me"?
0: Yes, probably twenty percent, and that's fine. And I still, I can get a call a year later <laughs> and say, "I wasn't. In, I've, I've now found an interest, um, so I can work with them from then and introduce." the next phase because this is growing so quickly. So are you so,
1: mainly working with just private individuals who are using it within their life or are you talking about businesses
0: that might have some application for it? Um, mostly private individuals that then can take that into their business, yes.
1: And is there a type of use that is sort of your sort of most popular or what you've discovered
0: is going to really hook people into the, into the ecosystem? Yeah, how to buy a coffee. <laughs> really easy. How to use it in a shop, how to spend it. Because they do attract mostly women into the workshops. I think they feel more comfortable to ask the silly questions with me. So um, and they just want to use it. But it's funny because
1: buying a cup of coffee is not a problem that people have in their life.
0: Well, that's an interesting point because I have sat in coffee shops and heard people come in with their credit card and say that they've had problems. <laughs> right. Yes. So just recently um, I heard a woman come in and there's some kind of reward scheme and she said she didn't know on her statement which coffee shop that um, purchase had come from. And some people do have problems with the tap and pay, they're still trying to stick it in the bottom of the machine, you know, there are older people that do that, so I assert that the initial transaction is an issue for some people with credit cards also. And once the confidence has has been built up, then it's not a problem. And that's the same with Bitcoin, any new technology.
1: Well, now, if we're talking about sort of ordinary people and their reactions to cryptocurrency, we have to include the question of how much it's worth and how much you might have made by... Holding it while it went up or lost while it came down I mean how does that how does that whole conversation fit into your dealings with with your people that you're working with
0: well I explain that it is extremely volatile and I also talk about other currencies and people are uh, reluctantly want to learn about how real currency also depreciates in value over time and hence we have inflation um, so we talk about that and the probability that Bitcoin will increase in value over the next 10 years is much higher than the Australian dollar increasing in value. So people that are wanting to increase their net value are interested in working with Bitcoin regardless of the volatility and they're willing to shift a proportion of their savings or so-called savings into this as an investment. And I'm always chatting with people, always um, pushing, what would I say? Encouraging. Encouraging, (laughs) yes, encouraging people to use it. And I think that the women in my workshops really appreciate that when something is used it increases in value. The people that are interested in long-term investment, I actually send to trading courses. It's not my area of expertise, I'm not interested. Um, So I send them to people that I'm comfortable with, that know how to also work with the tax in Australia, so I make sure that people can act with integrity with their money.
1: How long have you been doing
0: these workshops? Since 2012, since I came back from Peru. And
1: how has the experience changed now compared to people's reactions
0: originally? Well I'm no longer having to explain what Bitcoin is as a currency that seems to be known now. Um, the questions are changing in people wanting to be responsible around tax whereas originally people were wanting to more the anarchist mentality wanting to avoid banks and that's also where I was coming from as well so my sentiments is, has changed over time um, when I can see it as a global currency involving tax which um, I think that ultimately what I'm interested in is being able to move humans forward and myself forward really quickly. I don't want to have to work, backtrack paperwork so I think having tax included in each payment like um, that would be a great way to keep in real time. So was one of the initial attractions
1: to you the idea that here's something that's sort of completely outside of the establishment and the, the, the system that we normally use.
0: Yes, absolutely, because I see the system as broken. You know, but, so why do
1: you not see that like that anymore?
0: Because for this to work in the world, it has to integrate. It can't operate outside and be exclusive. And the majority of people that I want to be involved, they have mortgages and they've got full-time jobs and... Um, They want to use something um, that is going to increase in value. So for that to happen, it has to conform. Is it going to conform or the system has to conform with this?
1: It's interesting because one of the sort of themes uh, being put forward in the world of particularly Bitcoin SV is there is time to grow up. Mm -hmm. And it seems like you're saying you've gone through that sort of same evolutionary process yourself and your experience over the last six years.
0: Yes, that's right. It, I, what I love about Bitcoin is that it gets people talking and thinking about the systems that we live in and that needs to happen. We need to talk about the money system. We need to, as a, this is such a, a strong, it's such a, an area that dominates our lives. Money dominates people's lives. And we need to, it needs to be talked about how, it's, how money grows, how it's made, how it is distributed, um, what are better ways to make it work. And I love that Bitcoin is opening those kind of conversations up and I'm having incredible conversations with people. That's what I love about this scene, if you like, being able to, have, uh, to talk to people about the future direction of systems in the world and the kind of people that are drawn to this are extremely intelligent and have ideas that possibly haven't worked in the current system because they don't fit. So now there's an opportunity to to work with people's ideas that can fit because this is such an open platform and it's new and it's welcoming to um, ideas that work. You've shown me your enthusiasm and you've talked
1: about quite a sort of close-knit community of people who are interested. But in order to really get the value out of the idea of cryptocurrency, we need everybody to be using it and for it to, in a way, not be part of some little club that you're a member of. How do you think we're going to make that big leap forward to having it sort of so ubiquitous that it's really of almost of no interest to
0: people, do you think? That's the question, isn't it? Well, I come back to how we started this conversation with the type of work that I do. Determine, I, what I do is I determine people's self-interest. So my angle is to work with people in, having, in nurturing their projects, so providing the tools. I'm, in a way, a bridge to in, with the Bitcoin community to make the tools available to see what people, these people need.
1: And do you think if we were talking again in 10 years' time we would sort of look back on this as those sort of rather quaint early days of something
0: that became so common. Yeah, absolutely. I can see over the time that I've been involved, when I first came back to Melbourne from Peru and I was talking about Bitcoin and people had no idea what I was talking about. Whereas now, what I do is I tip people in cafes, so rather than approaching merchants and asking if they'll accept it, I just tip the waiters and the, the cafe staff and the cooks, um, so I ask them to download a wallet and I transfer maybe a dollar or two dollars over. And it's up to them then to talk to their manager, <laughs> right? Um, so now when I talk to the, that kind of staff, I'm surprised. Young girls that have friends that are mining, um, young guys that are into, into trading, um, are friends, of, they all know somebody that know something about Bitcoin. So that's quite a profound shift in a short amount of time, considering in the beginning that people did, had, they couldn't even say the word. They didn't know what I was talking about.
1: It's pretty impressive that you are converting
0: the world kind of one user at a time. <laughs> that's right. That's right. And it's quite easy to measure how fast and who will act quickly with this. But we, we'll reach a stage, I hope,
1: where... Nobody feels they have to understand technical information in order to use cryptocurrency.
0: Oh, please. I, I can't wait for that day. That's the will come? Oh, yes. Yeah, absolutely. Well, this is an interesting um, aspect of the workshops that I'm doing. There's still no people, uh, many people don't know how money works, don't know how the internet works, don't know how their smartphone works, or they don't care. So, the faster we get there, I think the faster this will. Um, spreading to the world
1: yeah fantastic thank you so much Dale it's a pleasure many thanks to Dale Dickens and if you find yourself in a cafe in Melbourne try tipping a crypto you can thank Dale if it works please join me Charles Miller for another CoinGeek conversation next week thanks for listening and goodbye